the airlock doors to the facility slid closed behind me, enclosing me in the room of horrors. Moving to a workstation in the middle of the room, I slid a body in an office chair away from the computer screen. There was a login prompt, but not being an official member of this facility, I wasn't going to be able to get in through normal credentials. I synced my suit's computer and access to the workstation and bypassed the main authentication. The screen automatically presented me with system status and schematics given my engineering role. The station itself seemed whole. That is, it wasn't breached in any major way, letting the MLS environment into any of the corridors. However, a variety of doors and systems were completely shut down as a result of multiple power failures. Some could be power bypassed, but it looked like I would be crawling through vents to get to areas needing repair. The dead silence of the room was occasionally interrupted by scraping and clawing noises, not just from the front entrance, where I'd narrowly evaded death from the bone monster out in the sand, but from all around. Every wall of this place seemed to be alive, some sort of creature trying to find a way through. I moved toward the doorway that would lead toward the first set of corridors I needed to pass through. It opened with a clank. The sound of it echoed loudly against the empty hallways. I stopped in my tracks, expecting some sort of predator to jump out in response to the unexpected noise. The halls of the facility were made of a low magnetic stainless steel. The walls were painted with directions to nearby labs and equipment rooms. These were typically meant for the lab technicians, who were the primary occupants of these facilities. Walking further into the corridor, each step echoing off the walls, announcing my location to anyone and anything nearby. Lab doors on my left and right closed. The windows of the rooms were fitted with one-way mirrors. Only those authorized lab techs were permitted to know what sort of work was done inside. A convex mirror hung in the corner of the hallway, which gave me a good view down to the next section. I breathed a sigh of relief as the view around the corner showed an empty corridor. I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched, that the walls themselves were alive with activity. I stepped carefully into a lab room on my left. The metal doors again made an unsettling, loud clank as I stepped through the opening. This room, like the main entrance, also had workstations constructed around the walls. The center of the room had been dedicated to tables where chemical experiments were being performed, at least. This is as much as I could surmise looking at the various flasks, beakers, and gas lines reaching up to each work area. On the wall furthest from me, a gaping hole had been carved out of it. It looked like someone had stacked some office chairs in front of it in a feeble attempt to blockade the opening. Making my way to the nearest workstation, I began accessing the logs contained within the system. Each department had isolated file systems so that no team working in one area could evaluate the work in another. In addition to the confidential nature of company research, the company also liked to keep their assets from contaminating other areas with ideas for which they were not in their area of expertise. The workstation brought up several logs with experimental data I didn't quite understand. Fortunately, some video logs were contained on the drive, but with partial corruption. Earlier logs appeared to have been saved to redundant drives. The most recent, however, didn't appear to receive the same backup routines, probably due to the station falling into disarray. 
I needed to understand what was happening in this place. I had been marooned. With apprehension, I clicked the first log on the computer screen. The video sprang to life. It had clearly been taken from the workstation. Only the image on the screen showed the lab completely illuminated. Several people were walking to and from workstations. Experiments seemed to be ongoing and constant. A middle-aged man wearing a white lab coat sat in the center of the screen. The beginnings of gray dusted his hair and beard. Earth date, December 3rd, 2150. This is Dr. Fitzgerald, logging current findings on the nanotech experimentation. Our initial observations indicate that company sponsors were absolutely correct about the value of this technology. The nanobots themselves are simple enough, yet the tremendous potential they have for our future colonization efforts. Instead of sending an entire ship of colonists to a planet, we could send unmanned vessels and nanobots to construct entire settlements with minimal instruction sets. The potential to cut down on asset time loss in the construction of new settlements is tremendous. Discoveries such as this are reminiscent of those on MLS 24 and 32. Animals and abandoned technology, advancing suit repair technology, or non-invasive surgeries and curatives. I speak for all of our team, our collective enthusiasm for the project. I stopped the recording there. Nanotechnology? I knew a little bit about the concept, but didn't see any value in what they might have discovered here. I looked over the logs and decided to move closer to the current date. There were logs into about mid-March. I clicked on one in the beginning of the month, so roughly three months after that initial log. Dr. Fitzgerald greeted me again on the screen, only this time his expression more grave. Earth date, March 1st, 2151. Dr. Fitzgerald logging current findings. The team has had successes in adapting the nanotechnology to some of our own technology. We were able to construct several simple structures modeled after our facility designs. However... The doctor paused for a moment. He almost seemed to be considering whether or not he should continue recording. The team has encountered several issues with containment. The nanotech, as simple as the programming and algorithms are, has a sophisticated artificial intelligence running in its background processes. In addition to learning our build schematics and how to take our commands, it also is learning the containment systems in which we have confined it. Its capability to learn and adapt to complex machines and biological components was beyond our expectations. Our neighboring lab had a breach earlier today, which caused us to have to sterilize the room entirely. Many weeks of data and AI training were lost as a result. I'm, I'm putting in a recommendation to the board that we terminate this experiment until we can refine our containment protocols. There's value in this research, but not at the potential cost of human assets. At least, not until we can make advancements on our containment devices and protocols. The screen cleared as the video came to an end. I scoffed at the use of company lingo to define the people they had working at these colonies. Human assets. It was clear that it was easier to justify losses by factoring a person down to a cost rather than a life. I pressed on through the log files, feeling like I had limited time to review this content, the walls continuing to emit scratching and breathing noises, the unshakable feeling like I was sitting in some kind of trap. I decided to go to the end of the logs. The files in this area had significant corruption due to multiple system failures. I clicked the last entry. 
same Dr. Fitzgerald sat before me, but this one looked like he had aged about ten years. His hair was unkempt, and his previous pristine lab attire was worn, dirty, and torn. The room on the screen also looked more familiar. Emergency lighting is now what illuminated the space, like it is currently. Several of the other lab technicians could be seen in the background, but they were no longer working on experiments. Three of them sat in a corner, discussing quietly amongst themselves. Others were sleeping on the floor. Dr. Fitzgerald began to speak, but with the corruption of the file came in only in parts. First date, 21-51, June. Dr. Fitzgerald reporting after total containment failure. Many of the team had fled to other sections of the facility. Primary systems are offline. My concerns went completely ignored by the board. He shook his head then, placing his face in his hands. He looked up and continued his log. This technology. We weren't sure exactly where it came from. Our best guess is that it was an original inhabitant of its planet, maybe thousands of years ago. It's unclear why they created it, but it seems to try to reanimate anything it can into monstrous creatures. Several of my team are dead, and with communications down, we can't send a distress call. To anyone who discovers this recording, you can't fight them directly. Your only option is to... Dr. Fitzgerald stopped then because a loud crashing sound came from behind him. On the screen, he turned suddenly. Get away from the wall! You! Get away from the wall! On the monitor, Dr. Fitzgerald had stood to shout warnings to the other lab workers who had been grouped in a corner. A large crack had appeared in the wall very near them. They scrambled away and looked at the wall as it started to cave inward. Shards of metal peeled away, and not one, but two of the monsters, the bone monsters from outside, climbed through the opening. The scene descended into utter chaos, people screaming, stepping over each other, running toward the exit. The video cut off then, sending the lab room into sudden, dead silence, except for one thing a rustling noise behind me that was all too familiar. I came to a terrible realization that I had not paid enough attention to this room. I turned, slowly, turned toward the opening that had chairs piled up against it. A clawed hand was reaching through and was slowly moving the chairs out of the way. Sliding to my right, I opened the door with a clang and passed through it. The loud noise seemed to stir the monster as the chairs blocking the path were smashed out of the way. Back in the corridor, I could no longer see the monster due to the one-way mirrors. I crept along the wall, trying to keep a low profile and out of sight. A clawed hand came smashing through the glass above me. I tried to dive, but it caught me in the back. I felt the razor-sharp claws cut into my skin, and then the suit attempt to seal the damage. The pain was excruciating, but I had to keep moving. Turning the corner in the hallway, I heard the wall of the lab behind me crash apart as the monster created a new opening. I could hear it, its immense weight and footsteps following me. Checking my arm control panel, I swiped away the injury analysis the suit was reporting. Bringing up the navigation panel, I located an open ventilation system I could try to hide in. I put my body into a full sprint, trying to ignore the excruciating pain of the injury to my back. I slid into the duct and scrambled around a corner. The monster approached, slowly creeping around trying to locate me. I couldn't tell if these things could smell or hear or even see. They seemed to have really dull senses and were relatively easy to confuse and evade. 
The monsters seem to look around and give up, stomping off to try to find another victim. I curled up in the vent and brought up the control panel in my suit. This time, I brought up the injury analysis and cringed at the data presented to me. Some significant lacerations were put into my back, and I was bleeding heavily. Checking the navigation, there was a med bay connected to these vent tunnels not too far away, and I could use some of the automated systems to repair the injuries on my back. I started creeping forward slowly. The vents themselves seemed stable, but they made more noise than I liked while crawling through them. The vent tunnels were also not consistently shaped or sized. When passing through different sections, the passage would narrow or widen seemingly randomly. This maybe made sense for the various experiments being performed below, but confusing to someone using them as a means for travel. Fifty feet from the med bay, I had reached an administrative section of the facility. Company managers would take shifts here, taking reports from the various departments. Through a vent receiver, I peered through the cracks down onto a series of desks and computer workstations. The company wasn't one for originality. Apart from the lab rooms, the simplistic model of workstation design was copied and pasted from room to room, probably to maximize efficiency. While I sat in one place looking over the room below me, the fittings keeping the vent in the ceiling started to give way. My head shot toward the direction of the breaking metal sound as the vent I was in detached and tumbled down. It landed hard on one of the desks and I fell out completely winded, choking for air as my lungs struggled to work again. I didn't have long to recover, though, because the door to the admin room opened slowly in front of me. Partially concealed by the desk, I watched as one of the monsters creeped in, attracted by the loud, crashing noise I made. I crawled as quietly as I could away from the destroyed vent and desk to hide behind another workstation. The creature turned its head toward the vent and started lumbering toward it. Behind it, a second monster came in through the opening of the room. It kept guard by the entrance to the admin room, surveying for a moment, holding completely still, unable to think of what to do. An overwhelming sense of fear hit me. My hands shook, and I held them to my mouth to keep myself from making any noise. Breathing heavy, heart pounding, the creature started picking at the vent. Frustrated that it couldn't find its victim, it seized on the vent and flung it across the room as if it was a pebble. The crashing piece of hardware destroyed a couple of workstations on the far side of the room. I watched as the other monster seemed to confront the other, grunting and clashing its head against the others. I sat completely frozen, watching them, not sure what else to do. I prayed they would lose interest. Leave, please just leave, I said to myself. This exchange between the monsters stopped as if they heard something outside the room. Both stopped and turned, as if listening to further disturbance. Slowly, they both creeped out of the room from where they had come. Confident they had moved on, I removed my hands from my mouth, hyperventilating and trying to take long, deep breaths to calm my heart rate. The medical bay and treatment for my injuries was just beyond this room. I looked toward the exit the monsters crept out of. What had made them lose interest? I quietly made my way to the door of the medical bay. This door was jammed, and I had to manually open it, which took nearly my last ounce of strength. I tumbled into the room and closed the door behind me. The light in this room was dim, like the rest of the facility. Emergency power seemed to continue operations of the vital care systems, but not so much for the lights. 
stood up, feeling as though the pain wasn't quite as excruciating as it once was. Moving over to the console, I prepared the medical scanning device to review my injuries and prepare a treatment. The automated system whisked up and down my body, analyzing everything from head to foot. The machine stopped, compiling all of the data it just received. Diagnosis would be in roughly five minutes based on the available data. I moved away from the scanning station and looked around the medical bay. The light of an arm control pad glimmered at the far end of their room. I approached, aware of every step I was making. I realized I was looking at another body. At least, this person wasn't moving. Several claw marks, undoubtedly from those monsters, were present all over this person's suit. Despite that, they didn't appear to have lost limbs like I'd seen for other victims. This person also appeared to be holding a pistol in their limp hand. A single shell casing had rolled to a resting place nearby. The smell was terrible, as if the body had been left there for months on end. As I scanned the body further, my jaw dropped as I realized I recognized the man. This was Dr. Fitzgerald, my only key to what was happening in this place. His head was cocked to the side, eyes lifeless, blood sprayed most of his face. He had clearly taken his own life. I looked to his control panel then, curious if he recorded any further messages into memory. It was one locally stored video message recorded by the user of this suit. Eager to know more, I downloaded the file and played it on my own device. An image appeared of the doctor. He had clearly seen better days. His survival suit had been scarred all around, just like his body was currently. He spoke then, any semblance of professionalism lost from his voice. We wildly underestimated them, their ability to learn. We were interested in their ability to manipulate machines. Perhaps this oversight is the height of irony. But they were the ones who were interested in us. He pointed to his head then. When he brought his hand down, he rested it on the pistol on his belt. Once inside the body, the machines quickly attempt to seize control. My medical scan confirms that they have not yet penetrated my higher brain functions. I record this as my last warning about the necessary bounds of our research. I don't want to find out what total control of these machines is like. On the video, he demagnetized the pistol on his belt, put the barrel to his head, and pulled the trigger. He fell to the floor in the spot I found him. The recording continued, unable to be stopped with the last remaining user unable to terminate the feed. A dawning horror gripped me as I looked at his lifeless body on the monitor. Killing the feed, I moved to the medical scanner to see my results. There were no longer lacerations on my back. They had been miraculously repaired. The scan revealed a pathogen of unknown origin working its way into my central nervous system. Shoving down feelings of panic, I moved to the main terminal in the medical bay. I synced my suit's control panel to record the log of my journey so far, hoping, praying it could serve as a warning to anyone if they find it. This recording is that output. Do not pursue rescue. Stay away from this planet. I looked back at the pistol, considering what course of action to take. Was I really going to do this? I placed my hand on the grip, clutching it tightly in my hand. In the back of my mind, I could hear a soft, soothing voice. Put it down. There's no need, it said. I looked at my hand and thought about it. This was crazy. Why would I consider something like this? 
I loosened my grip on the weapon and let it fall to the floor of the medical bay. Good. Very good, the voice in my head said. Yeah, this is much better. I had a job to do here. I needed to get communications working again. We need to bring more people here. You can't do this thing on your own, the soothing voice said. You're absolutely right, I said out loud, my voice echoing off the walls. It was so nice to have someone to talk to down here. You're going to make a great team, the voice said. I agree. We need to get as many people here as possible. I checked my navigation screen. The power cells weren't that far away. I opened the medical bay doors and stepped out into the dim admin room, determined to get the job done.